Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. You're with Breakfast with Lee and it's time for Why It Matters. So, Lynn, what does mental well-being mean to you when it comes to work? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I think having a safe space mm. or, or rather being able to communicate freely and openly, I think that's important to me. Yeah, it is. Uh, we talk about work-life balance um, and now more than ever, right? Burnout, fatigue, wellness. I mean, these are some words that were in the centre of many discussions over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. In fact, to put in perspective the gravity of this issue, an earlier survey by global consultancy firm Mercer Marsh Benefits found that over 90% of companies in Singapore regard health and safety as the most serious threat to businesses. But how can firms successfully tackle this issue of mental health, especially when it's something that can have many definitions? Well, for more insights, we're joined by Dr. Sean E., clinical psychologist and a psychoanalytic psych therapist and director of the psychology practice. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me, guys. Earlier, we shared our own take on mental health at work, but now we want to hear your take from a professional perspective. So based on your observation, how have the stresses faced by workers evolved and what's actually driving them? Good question. I think it's a huge area. Uh, if you may unpack this a little bit from the background. Over the past year or so, we've heard about the great resignation happening in 2021 in the States. And following that, we have uh, another work trend index survey by Microsoft Mm -hmm. that over 40% workers said they were somewhat or extremely likely to consider changing employers at the time. So, you know, we're talking about adjustment issues before, during and after COVID, where there might have been underlying issues that were present and subsequently um, these issues were exposed during COVID. And thereafter, again, uh, difficulties heading back to the office. So the issues are multiple. So if we consider perhaps uh, maybe how work performance is measured, uh, work versus home boundaries, like uh, as you said earlier on space, whether there's a healthier demarcation uh, you know, of hybrid work environments where families struggle a lot with children being around and jumping around whilst doing meetings. Mm. Uh, there's also other things like uh, psychological coping mechanisms, like we tend to be quite avoidant of things. And if we are physically at work, it gives us a temporary measure in some ways. Finally, there's also also another thing, which is, uh, as you said, burnout, which is not just about exhaustion psychologically, but also about loneliness. It's about scapegoating and so on and so forth. Among some of those things that you've mentioned, you've worked with companies directly to tackle mental health. What are the key pain points that businesses often identify with when it comes to retaining talent? I think it's a really good question, Lynn. Thanks for that. I think, um, well, there are many pain points, but with regards to issues related to mental health, uh, I would say that it's compounded. You know, it's a hard thing to say, but most businesses do not understand the un- underlying issues, mm. which ultimately lead to employee movement. One of the MNCs I worked before a long time back, there were a lot of positive ideas suggested, more new things that now we're more familiar with post-COVID, mm-hmm. but were generally put down because they seem not to be in line with productivity or efficiency values that were traditionally held. So if we consider back then, you know, people, once they started to revalue their lives and reprioritize work's role in their lives, a lot of expectations have changed Mm. and uh, they expect more demand from businesses. Dr. E, we acknowledge that mental well-being cannot just be
be a one-off initiative. But what are the key challenges companies face, you know, in keeping uh, their related programs or policies going? And would you say that there are areas that are often forgotten? I'd say there are quite a number. But uh, one of the things that anchored me generally in practice is this quote by Arthur Jones, an organizational design expert. He said that all organizations are perfectly designed to get the results they get. So, you know, we would think about, you know, communication uh, can't be just top down. We need to normalize conversations in the workplace. And regardless of level of management, we should try to share more of our difficulties. Culture of safety shifts away from positive mindsets specifically. Just at last year's Mental Health Summit at work at MBS, I still recall like a couple of areas that tend to be brought up, like uh, sometimes the employee assistant programs that a lot of companies tout to, to have often fail because sometimes it's just deemed to be ticking a checkbox. Another thing might be that uh, mental health issues are not just like a cold and flu. You can treat it and it goes away. Uh, it might resurface at some point and we'll have to tackle it down again. And there might be a lot of ups and downs. You know, Another thing possibly related to this is that uh, a lot of staff workers might actually value their privacy and not want to be able to uh, share that much for fear of it being used against them. So finally, another point here perhaps might be worth considering is that these underlying issues could also be related to personnel relationships, uh, say warring factions, subgroups, in-group, upgroups, and so on and so forth. So, Dr. E, we were talking about this earlier in the show. I was just wondering, how do you measure mental wellness? No, personal standards do vary. What is acceptable to someone may very well be unacceptable to others. So how can companies figure out what's that fine balance to set? This is a very tricky question. (laughs) Most people might say, hey, you know, this we have to respect everybody's views and there's no perfect scenario in the new normal. Mm -hmm. But uh, I believe that employers can offer more accommodating work arrangements, including remote work, hybrid work and flexible schedules. You know, just in general, if there's more communication, say, for example, they can listen to what employees say they want and meet instead of making tone-deaf, top-down decisions. Mm. Right? I would say uh, prevent colleagues from just working in silos if possible or provide support. Uh, Maybe it's also about how the organization is structured uh, such that it can uh, improve the smoothness of top-down or down-up kind of the communication. Businesses too, I mean, vary from one another. Are there specific industries you feel could be more susceptible to mental health issues? Could there be regulations that can be enhanced to, you know, ease the stress levels for employees? Certainly, I think um, what comes to mind when I think about number of clients I've seen over the years would be like uh, areas of uh, law, for example, finance, teaching's a popular one as well. Basically, jobs that require long hours as a mandated norm where burnout is common, you know, and somewhat, it's also difficult to say, but actually it ignores the human need for space, psychological space, emotional space, as well as recuperation. So there can be a lot of things to enhance the ease. You know, I would, my view is that we could start to reinvest on people because uh, once COVID hits, right, people's loyalties have changed to themselves as opposed to the company. You know, once they've stopped learning, for example, they might just move on. So in my view, I think performance targets may need to change. And that's how we can start to strike a balance. I like how you say it, reinvest on people. Of course, return on investment is key when we talk about business. So in this case, is there a framework business leaders can use to perhaps measure and evaluate the real returns? 
I love your questions. It's so tricky. <laughs> so, I mean, I would say, as I, might, I made the point earlier on, employees' loyalties in themselves, they've started to value themselves. And mm-hmm. one of the things that articles were written back then was that uh, the moment uh, your employees start to value themselves, they may start to think about where they might be more valued in. So, in the same way, I would say companies need to start investing in their employees in the long run. So, when employees are satisfied, they feel that they're growing, they feel invested as well, they would produce. And that's part of the productivity stuff. So, uh, um, another thing might be these things on performance indicators, right? So if we were to look at short-term goals, mm-hmm. you know, these things will lead to, lead to short-term gains versus long-term goals and long-term gains. Say in the situation of uh, CEOs, where you can't expect them to make change in such a short time. So we understand that culture is generally quite resistant to change and mm-hmm. take time to change as well as something that we need to understand. Dr. E, there's been so much talk about mental health and wellness, especially in recent years. But manpower and HR policies aside, could we as employees also manage our expectations of companies? Now, I think this is a really good point for reflection, if anything. Okay? Um, I think we're no longer wearing a long tenure as a badge of pride on our shoulders. You know, mm. uh, People are now considering themselves as having more value, maybe more balanced work and life kind of scenarios. So they're not already in self-sacrifice. So it's time to move on onto greener pastures. Uh, we would expect employees to move on. And in the same way, if we were to have developed our employees well, at some point they would have to leave and that could actually be a good transition. So one more last point, I suppose, back in the mental health summit, I heard someone quote this, and I thought it was quite useful. So when we think about human resources and mental health, we need to be considered as humans first before being looked upon as resources. Thank you very much, Dr. Sean E. There's sharing of his perspectives with us, clinical psychologist and psychoanalytic psychotherapist and director of the psychology practice. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.